See, do you see this thing about uh, Miller World going to Dark Horse Comics? Welcome back to Indie Comic Book Noise, folks. Can't think of a better way to start the show than that. We're back after a brief hiatus for while we retooled the show. Got new writers, producers, sadly no new editors, which is probably why there's a slight delay in episode posting. But we're back, and you have a special treat, sadly. The Ottawa Otter is not here today, but representing O Canada, well, maybe the Arctic Circle. It's WX Kev from the Icebox. Hey, I Kev. Hello! <laughs> and keeping the indie train on time and leaving the station is Super Steve from the Bunker. Say hi, Super Steve. Hey, guys. It's kind of... Gonna feel like an episode of Marvel Noise without Phil here and it being the three of us, but I'm gonna have to try to refrain from overstepping my bounds and trying to keep things moving along. That's not my role here, Andrew. That is your role. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> the show waffles terribly when you're not around. But <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Indie Comic Book Noise is part of the Deliberate Noise Network, an awesome collection of the greatest podcasts in the universe, including, as Steve mentioned, Marvel Noise. How about that, Marvel Noise, Steve? Everything going good over there? Everything's going great. We snuck in our second episode of the month right under the gun, and uh, it's almost 2023 Coolometer time over at Marvel Noise. Excellent. Check it out, people. If you're curious about the House of Mouse, that is where you go. <laughs> mm. If you want to find old episodes and show notes, you can go to our website, IndieComicBookNoise.com. I think we still have show notes and everything. Thanks to Derek, who keeps the ones and zeros lights on. Uh, he he Basically, without him, there is no Deliberate Noise Network, no Marvel Noise, no Indie Noise, so I always appreciate everything he does, because I don't know nothing about no computers. There's no his rich history of comic book podcasting without Derek. Yeah, he really is the key linchpin in so many important scenes from back in the day. It's just, it's so weird how totally ignorant I am of the computer, even though I use it all day long. <laughs> some sort of miracle, in a way. Uh, you can find the show on social media. You can find it on our Facebook fan page, although I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know, and on Exeter. Also, recently... Some of us hosts are on, what is it, Kevin? Mastodon. And Blue Sky. Well, I'm the only one on Mastodon. We're also on Blue Sky. And sometimes, Kevin, I don't know, do you post about the show? I know you are always boosting Marvel noise on the Blue Sky. Yeah, I'm always trying to get you to um, retweet that. Resky that. And... Resky. <laughs> Any kind of noise, it's just a free-flowing discussion of whatever we deem to be related to indie comic book noise. That includes news, features, adaptations, books, just whatever's going on. As you heard from the beginning of the show, we can have some strong language, but that only reflects the all-encompassing nature of indie comic book noise topics. I also always say we never really say anything controversial. And then Kevin says... Uh, what if DC Comics launched Zuda in 2019 or early 2020 instead of 2006? What do you think of that? 
that controversial? <laughs> I guess not. Well, anyways, why I stealthily started the show like that is Kevin raised a quick news point, which will probably be history by the time the show gets out. But Mark Miller has moved his entire Miller World catalog over to Dark Horse Comics, leaving Image in the dust, which seems yeah. like a strange move. Yeah, because I'm like, as far as I knew, like, Netflix bottom, or he was working for Netflix, or, you know, that whole deal. That doesn't seem to have worked out uh, as well as he had hoped, I'd imagine. Well, look at us. I mean, he made out well. I'm not going to pretend he didn't, but I assume he wanted, like, his lots of shows that would go on for many seasons, and we haven't really seen that. Well, I, I never, I don't think he ever expected to stop creating more books though and he always and i mean he has been all along so i think it, it's i'm sure he's learned from his peers or at least heard from them and their experiences to not sit around and hold your breath and wait for these hollywood things to actually come into fruition that they're always in partial stages of development and meanwhile you could be making comics and he never stops which is kind of fun um, yeah, I, and, I mean, you can make them at Image Comics. But it's look at us. It's weird that this is the parade of people going to Dark Horse. Well, look at us last year, what we were saying. What the heck is Dark Horse going to do? They lost <laughs> the Conan license or the this or the that, the Star Wars, the um, now that Black Hammer ran it. That was all it had, right? Hellboy's dead. Um, what well, about Black? huge. And, and so... There are a lot of things that have um, risen to fill that vacuum, and, and I, this is I, this is the latest. I kind of want to know what percentage of their sales is just Berserk. <laughs> like, all one. year, I've just heard people talking about Berserk. Well, I'm on the library train, but I'm like seven or eight trades into Black Hammer, and I don't think that's ever going to end, boys. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it seems to be a never-ending Well, you know what stream. I mean, when the main... For a while there, there was not only the main book, but there was always a side book going, and the main storyline has been uh, pr pretty told. So, it, it, again, if you go back and kind of think about where our sentiment was a year or two ago, it was, um, what's Dark Horse going to do? What do they still have? And, uh, like, Hellboy? Yeah, it's a nice uh, coup for them, that's for sure. Plus, they can get some, you know, uh, refresh the brand. I mean, it's kind of a weird blow that Image just lands the Hasbro stuff, and it turns around they lose the Miller stuff. Right. right. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder about Kirkman, too. I mean, yeah, Skybounds is at Image, but like for all purposes, it seems like they're their own brand, their own company. Like he's He's establishing things that Image proper would never do. They're even, like, getting a division in Japan and everything, so it seems it's very weird to, to, like, I don't know if they would ever outgrow Image, like, it's just very strange. Yeah, it seems like, um, well, he's got a war chest that has to be crazy. I mean, yeah. all that, the success of all those TV shows, plus he's had those other ones that, I don't know if they're successful or not, but he's had enough adapted stuff in other shows and movies not just walking dead so i don't know if that stuff pays or not I don't yeah think didn't, it didn't well. he 
didn't he write Renfield, I think, or something like that? Or was that, his... that Yeah, that was his, because at the end credits, yeah. I was like, wait, Kirkman? Uh, that Robert Kirkman? Yeah, like he had Outcast and Super Dinosaur. Hey, since we mentioned Hellboy, can I bring up a couple of Hellboys that I read that are the current last few releases that I can recall, actually? Sure, sure, sounds that... good. It's a Halloween hangover? Yeah, well, yeah, this Hellboy's good year-round, right? It just puts you <laughs> in that, it's like a, um, it's like a meditation, because the stories don't, aren't necessarily always poignant. They can be good character studies. There can be, like, O. Henry moments, um, but mostly, like uh, Joseph Campbell used to talk about the function of myth, that it's supposed to take you through some paces and and put you in a state of mind the hellboy stories do that and and it often it's through them using myths and and using the elements of myths as hellboy has to deal with um, some ramification of some kind of folklore or whatever um but then of course it's that art style too and and the imagery and everything i i I find it a really comfortable, peaceful place to come back to and enjoy a story that's not going to be too much heavy lifting. I mean, it can be wordy. There can be a lot to it. But when all is said and done, Hellboy punches the bad guy at the end one way or another, and the story wraps up uh, nice and tidy. Yeah, for the most part, you know. I mean, he did die and all that. <laughs> but but That's a tidy yeah, ending, Hell- Steve. Don't... <laughs> but Hellboy's has survived because now what they've done is they've gone back and they're telling all the Hellboy in the BPRD when he's younger going up through the years, right? So we've had Hellboy and the BPRD 1950, 1953, 19, you know, going up through. And this summer we had a uh, one-shot Hellboy in the BPRD 1957 that was from below. And it was written by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson, art by Mike Norton. And it took Hellboy, this um, commando-like investigative agent from the BPRD, but just a human guy, Archie, and the professor, Young, not used to going out on a field mission. Uh, it took them on this adventure to follow up on uh previous sighting and set of investigations that went nowhere, but seems like they keep getting reports in this old mill, so we should check it out, even though we've checked it out before. And uh, sure enough, they come upon something and a creature, and, and it's pretty cool. It, it, it's like a uh, experiments trying to combine um, machinery and biological components so hellboy ends up fighting this big homunculus thing that has like construction digger uh, hands that telescope out and stuff and it, it's uh pretty fun stuff it's like hellboy fighting a, a couple of transformers or something but uh, you know in the end he punches the thing or he gets the job done but it's never the destination and always the ride and i thought it was nice and pleasant and the other miniseries that's going on right now, and Kevin, I really thought that you 
would enjoy this is Giant Robot Hellboy. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's three issues. Two issues are out so far. Written by Mignola, uh, with art by Duncan uh, Figueredo. And it is just what you would think. It's Giant Robot Hellboy. But it very quickly gets into a kaiju giant mech fighting each other storyline mm. where in somewhere in the first issue hellboy gets some um, uh, attached up to you know in the control center attached up to the big mech that is going to fight the the big kaiju and like mignola stories their kaiju we kind of recognize <laughs> and uh, hellboy is not conscious and not delivering snappy dialogue or anything like that. It's more the guys in the control room talking about what they got to do to like help assist and keep him, um, you know, biologically stable and enable different weapon sets and help control the thing when he's unconscious. And the thing is just fighting out there <laughs> and, and, and it's fighting the uh, Kaiju uh, it, it's a lot of fun leading to, you know, then they flash back to the control room after a good maneuver and all the guys are like high-fiving each other like, oh, that was a good one. We did the rockets from the fingers or all these cliched things, but it's uh, in the Hellboy world, but it's not very Hellboy doing stuff. It's more like a kaiju that kind of looks like the Iron Giant and kind of looks like Hellboy <laughs> fighting Godzilla and a bunch of other kaiju. It's pretty fun. Go, go, Godzilla. I, like I know, Godzilla. I'm watching some Godzilla. I mean, not that Godzilla. There's so many Godzillas. Right now, I guess you gotta specify which Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any of them. I thought I saw an ad for something somewhere, and I said, is it a guy in a rubber suit stepping on models and punching other guys in rubber suits? No. Hard pass. <laughs> I'll still consume it, but it won't be near and dear to my heart. Same with uh, Amazon. I clicked on that they did the Thunderbirds, those old puppets, but it's now all computer animation. And I'm like, uh, pass. I watched 30 seconds of it. I'm, don't they understand the charm of that show was entirely the weird puppets? Like, it, otherwise, it was just, you know, a kind of adventure team melodrama, but. I wanted to see the puppets. Like that's the show. That is the show. Not like on this, we can't agree. That was the show. Not the cartoon. It just seemed. Hey, did you like the Thunderbolts, birds, and did but hate puppets? Like who is that? They wouldn't have watched the original if that's what they were. <laughs> like it seemed self-selecting out. But anyways, I wanted to say on the. Adaptation for I did watch the Netflix One Piece season one, although I feel like a bit of a fraud because I watch it in two nights. <laughs> Get two it, nights. Yeah, I should have watched it in one piece. Get oh, because it, it's called One Piece. I liked it. Almost tempted to grab the manga from the library, but they didn't have volume one handy, so I was like, "Eh, I'll give it a pass." Well, you can watch all. Uh... 1,000 episodes of the anime instead. I'm not sure. Dude, give me the elevator take on what, what, you know, I hear One Piece a lot, I've seen images and everything, what's what's the deal? 
The most popular comic in the world, Steve. Well, no, I get all that. I get all the framework. <laughs> I get all of the <laughs> place in history. I get all the uh, reaches all of the hands and, and all the. I get all that. But what? You, what's? You, give me the. What's <laughs> the? What's the idea? You want me to lay it out for you? Just the basic idea. Yeah. A kid and his dog on in their adventures in a crazy land. I mean, you know, that kind of, like, what's going on? What What is it? it? It's uh One it's piece a of world, what? It's a world, <laughs> not our world, but uh, at an era of, uh, that becomes uh, the golden age of, like, uh, pirate adventure. And you basically start off with, like, one character, and then you sort of, like, build up a cast, build up a crew, build up enemies... And, uh, you know, you have, like, a cook, you have, like, um, a swordsman, like, a navigator. Like, you, you start getting all these people, like, a doctor that looks like, sort of like a reindeer. So it's like a nautical pirate type um, take on, like, adventure, a team adventure book kind of thing? Yeah, but, but the, the funny cool. thing is, like, like, there's evil, like, evil pirates, you know, pirates that you would think about that actually pirate. And, like, the crew you're following is more like, like, the, I, they're Fucking more like a soft version of pirates. Like, they're like, oh, we're pirates, but it's it's like they're, they're not so bad. I mean, yeah, they yeah, help yeah. people out and stuff like that. And they're, and, but ultimately, everyone's after this thing called the One Piece. Ah. The show pitches Yeah, people it. are looking after treasure and, and stuff like that. Oh, and then you, you, you run into, like, other things that you... Like, like they keep on building the mythology. Like, oh, there's a world government, and there's this, and there's this crazy ocean that goes into the sky, and like, nutso stuff. The show pitches it like the lead character is the lovable underdog who dreams very, very big. Like, he's gonna win the big game. In this case, it's get the prize, which is the one piece. He's yeah, but he's a um, very much an underdog sort of character. And he assembles a cast of misfits, but it's a world, I don't know, it's vaguely set at sea, but I think more of the appeal is it's a world of crazy superlatives. So one guy will be the best, he wants to be the best sword fighter. Another guy has these insane cooking abilities and fighting. So everything is these, the best of everything, but in a weird mishmash world. So it's very over the top. But oh, yeah, very. the show yeah. roots it in the characters who are, for the most part, kind of found family. You know, they all have some tragic element to their backstory that yeah. they can all work towards each other. And it was really affecting how they all, in the first one, you know, you see one of them really have a come around moment and her long-standing plan comes through in a very nice way and... You know, there's always those fake betrayals where you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then it works out <laughs> all right. But the over-the-topness worked pretty well in the show because they spent, I feel like it looked well, and they had the fights, but they weren't super long. But they're really well, like, it's the wire work. So you're going to see people do, like, quadruple flips and, like, kick through walls and all that kind of heightened over-the-top business. So if that's a bothersome thing... And I don't know that I want to read thousands of pages of a fight, but that's the thing. Like a two-minute yeah, fight is good. 
that's the one thing they really compressed down was like the fighting like you might get pages or pages or episodes and episodes of fights but in here it's like i don't know like 10 minutes or something because you really save a lot of time there but yeah like our lead the first guy we start with uh uh luffy he's um he's kind of like it's not i guess he's like is he naive like there's this thing that he keeps on saying i'm gonna be king of the pirates and everyone laughs at him but slowly he like builds and builds and grows and grows and he's just like sort of good-natured he has but an he's insane amount really of self-confidence <laughs> yeah he is definitely not gonna do whatever he puts his mind to and he lucks upon getting a superpower through the mechanism the world provides that lets him survive a lot which ordinarily you wouldn't Although, yeah. if I'm honest, so far in the show, Kevin, there is no real downside to eating those devil fruits, by the way. <laughs> uh, he can't go in the water. I know, but they don't... That seems like a very minor inconvenience. Like, I thought there was <laughs> going to be some real dark... A lot of times, you know, in these things, to get great power, you really have to give up something, or there's a real well... curse to it or whatever. And I feel like, yeah, now his weakened by seawater is not really the kind of hard penalty the way they make it seem like oh this is gonna be a you know they call it a devil fruit and there's gonna be some big i'm like oh no is your soul in peril or something you know but what if you're out in a boat out at sea (laughs) that's that seems like that's a pretty uh that's a tough achilles heel and he's and he's kind of stupid sometimes so he like will jump into the water or whatever and then they'll be like don't you know you idiot you're gonna drown like there's like where I am watching the anime right now, there there's a guy that seems to spend like ten hours a day in the bathroom because he's like, oh, don't don't you know, like this is this is your weakness. It's like yeah, but I have the poison to counteract the poison, and it's just like what what are these characters even doing sometimes? It's hilarious. And oh. Andrew, you know you know how many pages they manga takes to uh, show you what happens in ten hours exactly. What That's like the, two two volumes in the bathroom. The part that was fun was because um, everyone's in very heavy makeup and like you'll recognize an actor, but it'll take you a little bit of Google to be like, wait a second, I can't, you know, because they've got so much crap on their face and effects and all that. So it was fun figuring out where you'd seen that one person that's playing this role. But yeah, I thought the show understood to root it in the heart of the protagonist's and that makes you want to root for this kind of ragtag bunch of misfits. Because in the beginning, you're not sure. Because Kevin said he is kind of very like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. But somehow he doesn't come off. I think, like you say, he's kind of earnest and stupid and really puts his friends first, I think, is what undercuts what would otherwise maybe be seen as like an insufferably arrogant character. Yeah, there, there's definitely a bit of that shonen uh, formula going on here with some of the stuff, but it, it definitely either does it really well or or grows out of some of these things. Yeah, but I don't I don't know about the comic. I mean, I might check it out, but I'm definitely down for watching more of the show. I mean, maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll be like Black Hammer and wait till everybody's done with it and then start it. Wow! So you're gonna wait like ten years or something. I thought uh, the Google machine said he's wrapping it up in the next few years. 
30 years, I guess, is enough time to tell his story. <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes they say that, and you're like, so so how long is that going to... Like, it's been going on for a long time already. 97, I think, is when it first came out. Yeah. So, it has been, but wow. 30 All years. the way back to the 90s. Yeah, and then he can just sell it to Warner Brothers, and they'll have it go on forever. Superman versus Luffy. Although I always want to call him Luffy. From yeah, I have that problem comic. too. I'm trying to, I'm like, what's his name again? I don't know where I got that from, but yeah, similar troubles. All right, Kevin, what have you got for us? Oh, I'll save this for you because I know you want to talk about something. So, I mean, I'm not going to bring that up. I'll put that off to the side. Wow. Anyhow. It's all right, Kevin. Uh, and... I didn't really get through Mothman number one, so... You can go ahead and spoil it a little bit. I mean, I had to buy it because it was an Opus comic, but if you want to cover it now, you can. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear about an Oni Press comic or a distillery comic? Oni. All right. Oni it is. So I got Faceless and the Family, number one. Or, or uh, manga, or both. I mean, um, hmm. <laughs> Got him, Andrew. I mean, I guess that there's an argument. <laughs> Dead to rights. <laughs> I guess there's an argument to be made. I mean, I didn't know this was a Zoop campaign. This is uh, that Matt, that Luzbinski. I think he was in that. Wasn't he? He at least did the covers for that Zeno uh, anthology from Oni as well earlier this year. They were great, too. But yeah, I guess they they put two issues into one. Because I was kind of like, are all the issues going to be this? But I guess not, because he said it was a... In the back, he says it was a five-issue limited series, but now it's a four-issue limited series, because the first issue, they put two issues into it. I would say, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like... I don't know if you would say slow-moving, but it's an, an adventure comic where they're, like, traveling... From, like, one place to another, a bunch of characters. And it's in black and white. I mean, probably a probably a choice. I don't think they, like, necessarily wanted this thing. Uh... So you don't think the printer just messed up and printed it all in black and white? No, I'm thinking with the Zoop, like, you could have had it in black and white, and then going to Oni Press, you could have had it in, in color. But, I mean, I guess it would... It, I've seen some other work in color, so it's not... But I th I think with all the different textures and shading, and I don't know if this is, like, charcoaling or just a lot of noodling and, and stippling and everything in here. Like, there's... The characters are sort of like... Um, you know that, that Captain America bad guy, like, sort of like Doughboy? Sure. Like, all the characters sort of have... And some of, like, the environments and objects sort of have that, like, mushy quality to them. <laughs> like, sometimes where the anatomy will look off. I, I, I don't know if I'm getting used to the, the artist style or if I find, like, this is more, like, less of that. Like, there's still some of that where you'll see someone's shirt and, like, there'll be, like, three buttons, but there'll be, like, giant buttons, like, being pushed into, like... Like a Pillsbury Doughboy, like that kind of <laughs> weird look to it. But I don't think that's like all over. But yeah, characters do look distorted, but 
maybe less distorted. But you still have these weird moments where, like, they'll, they'll run into this woman and then, like, her hair will just be... It seems like it's trailing off into the distance and then sometimes it'll look shorter and sometimes it'll be like, is that hair, like, 20 miles long? Like, it doesn't end. It's unending. But it's, like, a weird, like, little world. Like, maybe if you're uh, reading some of, like, Brandon Graham's stories, like, it just sort of takes place in a place and you're like, is this our world? Like, it seems like it's a totally wacky place where different things happen. But then you find out in here that the place that they're in is, like, the palm of a hand. It's sort of, it's one of those, like, um, pieces of land, like, floating in outer space, you know, with, like, the spiky rocks. Sort of like if a mad scientist were to bring, like, Manhattan up into the air and you see all that all like it's been scooped out of something but this is like a hand there's not like any like dome or anything keeping it there it's just it's just the place that exists but they're like in the palm of the hand and they're like oh we're gonna go to like the fingers there's also fingers on part of the hand i i hear the finger legs are beautiful this time of year (laughs) but the weird thing is the buildings like as the as the hands, the fingers are, like, curved upward, like, the buildings are built upward as well. So you're, it's, like, some weird gravity thing. I don't know. Like, they haven't got there yet. Like, next issue. But I'm maybe, like, maybe just the middle finger will be extended. Th- there's some kind of weird, like, philosophy <laughs> or, like, a religion of, like, of they're like, oh, the hand is going to close eventually or something like that. Like, different uh, hand stuff. Someday we will high-five the other hand. <laughs> so that that was very strange to find out. I don't know, it's just it's very specific. Like I'm it's one of those worlds where I'm like, I'm sure you wanted to draw whatever you wanted to draw. Like there's not like, oh now I have to draw like twenty cars and horses and you know, all of the things artists don't like drawing. Like everything I, I'm sure everything is very specific and they run across everything that's like, oh and now now all the ground's gonna fall apart in like a thousand little pieces and I'm gonna like do little shading and, and hatching on every little block like obviously you're into that so like very very like artist centric like I wouldn't say that the the story is is like pushing any any heights there like but it's interesting I mean I definitely just stop to take a look at, at some of the stuff and be like, follow the form around the page and follow those lines and try to zoom in on every little detail. And it gets kind of weird when, because it's, it's usually big panels and then you get sometimes smaller things. And I'm like, whoa, it's like you want to break out that microscope and like zoom in there and, and check out what's happening. Right. Yeah, so you're issue, you're on board for all the issues. Yeah, it's only uh, only four issues. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, I've dropped books after one issue. I'm not <laughs> I'm not uh, not ashamed to admit it. I mean, I I did that to a to a Marvel series. So yeah, I've done it. Nah, wrong show, Kevin. All right, Steve. Oh, right. What have you got for us? Uh, I've got a seasonal 
recommendation for you that you will enjoy, even though you all know the story. And it is Harvey Kurtzman's Marley's Ghost. Well, kind of Harvey Kurtzman's. It's based on Dickens' A Christmas Carol and everything. But this was put out in 2017 uh, through Dennis Kitchen. And it was done for Comixology Originals, which means if you have Amazon Prime, you get free access to it just as it uh, as a regular um, you know membership perk. So you can read it on your uh, Kindle or uh, iPad or whatever. While you're doing that, pour one out for Comixology. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good tip, Steve. I'm a Amazon Prime member. Maybe I will abuse my membership. But here's the deal. So look up Harvey Kurtzman's Marley's Ghost, because there's other people who have used the Marley's Ghost angle to tell their version of uh, you know Dickens' story. But Kurtzman, back in 1954, he wanted to do Marley's Ghosts then as like a big coffee table hardcover, which if any of the publishers had even agreed to meet with him would have been the first graphic novel. But people were like, comics in that form? No, he really couldn't get time of day. And to try to work up a um, his proposal, he did 70 thumbnails of the story and seven pages of colored layouts and hired Jack Davis to finish one of the pages to show what it would look like finished, thinking that, the publishing companies would prefer to see Davis's, you know, commercially friendly art style over Kurtzman's. So they were never, you know, the, this never went anywhere. And then you get to the, you know, 2000 teens here and uh, Kitchen assembles his team. We get art by Gideon Kendall, who does a magnificent job actually taking the thumbnails and colored layouts that Kurtzman did and turning it into finished inked art and using a touch of Davis's brush work, like some of his line weight and the way he uses his brush really reminds me of Davis. It doesn't hit you over the head, but it's a little more, it's, it's almost like Davis, um, backgrounds with Kurtzman faces uh, if if you will but again that line weight is a little different than what I usually expect from from Kurtzman but it's really beautiful and it's scripted by Josh O'Neill and Shannon Wheeler 109 pages of story and then there's 27 pages of back matter that give you the history of of the project and includes all of Kurtzman's thumbnails. So you get to see the 70 thumbnails and the the pages of layouts that were done. You get to see how little they had to go with, but yet also how much. For a free uh, uh, holiday read, um, this was a really nice ride. And no matter how many times you've heard the story told, if you know Dickens' story is told well, it's a darn good story, um, and and Marley's ghost is really portrayed well. The three go, you know, you always want to see how the three ghosts are going to be portrayed. They're not how you would expect. I was almost disappointed at the ghost of Christmas present until it got going, and then I was like, this guy's great. 
Um, it, it was a really nicely done 109-page um, uh, graphic novel. Definitely check out Marley's Ghost if you've got the Amazons, because you can do it for free. Yeah, I also like they put in where he goes back and you see Belle, everything worked out for her, his first girlfriend. I always liked it, because a lot of times they'll cut that in adaptations. Yeah, they well, that was part of Kurtzman's original thing, is that he wanted to use as much of Dickens's dialogue as the the you know, a prose in, in the book. Um, so it's really is true to, there are aspects of this that are focused on in the setup that I don't recall being part of the, dare I say, watered down versions that we've gotten over, over the years. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Christmas carols. I really sure. like it. And, um, how about Mickey's Mickey, the, Mickey's uh, Christmas carol yeah. is an awesome one. And the audio, book is a good thing just to put on this time of season but yeah it's nice when they have the bell follow-up because that's a good scene where they she's like hey man we're poor you don't dig it i'm letting you off your wedding contract when we were uh poor and content to do so something like that and then yep. it's nice that they always see you see like yeah hey, it worked out for her she found some cool dude seems happy you know they kind of have a knock at poor scrooge just not having everything, although I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the language is so great in that. Big well, fan yeah, even, of, of Christmas Carol. Yeah, even Bell's thing is, is the lesson of if you participate, then you reap the rewards of a rich experience, right? And to go back to Joseph Campbell, who I mentioned before, he has that great line of it's not, you know, the meaning of life that people are are searching for are, are driving towards it's the feeling of being alive that that feeling of of that that feeling of living a rich life that's what you that that's the experience you're you're after whether you know it or not yeah yeah a great recommend any form of a Christmas. I mean, all right, there's some real dogs out there. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> a few I didn't make it through, but I generally This is good though, and you'll love you'll love the faces, right? Cuz Kurtzman, yeah. right? I mean, come on. Well, I got to say, I did flip. I would have been fine if they just used those thumbnails to be honest. Oh, come on. I, I do uh, look, well, I should give I should give Kendall more props then because I think he really did a nice job he in does. the coloring. The it's coloring really nice, is but, really good too. But there's um, something see, about um Kind of the whole, I don't know, that art style reminds me of the old Mad Magazine, which I have a fondness yeah. for. That's... But it, it also has that Bernie Wrightson, like everyone has that Bernie Wrightson nose from the profile and the chin of that, Vic, you know, how we romantically think of that Victorian time. time. Uh, it, I, I like that art style. I think it's a fun It is, and it fits the story to step into. particularly well. I just was like, when I saw the ones at the back, I'm like, oh, it's just like... Mad Magazine from <laughs> a long, long time ago. Uh, yeah. No, I'm glad you point. I like free. I'll definitely put a link in the show notes to it for Amazon people. I don't know about other countries or whatever. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's always up in there. Look at me looking at com- comics on a computer what kind of crazy business is that you're supposed to be podcasting come on I'm a, I'm a i'm a crazy person i didn't even know they had they have comics on this thing uh no one tells me anything ones and zeros all right kevin what have you got for us 
Another one? You want another one from me? Yeah. Well, I know. Otherwise, when I go to end the show, you'll be like, but I have 17 more comic books I want to talk about. <laughs> oh, I-, I wanted to hear about one of your infamous things. Okay. Which one? Mothman? I told you I didn't finish it. What I was tempted was, <laughs> as there's a big ad in the back, Kevin, for, you know, you, you know you're going to buy this one, Death Dealer 2099. I mean, come on. Oh, brother. It's like I, a total I, I, Spider-Man meets Death Dealer. You know, I I I called that out. I totally called that out because I was just like, they don't even, they're just going for it, right? Yeah. Like of I all the years, you can't, you just can't copyright like letters and numbers or whatever. So. Of all the years, and you had to walk into this one. <laughs> you know, it's like all they know what they're doing. I mean, how could you not? Like, yeah. Hey, I'm so surprised they're still, I'm still seeing their books in the stores, to be honest, not to be too negative or anything, but it's always, at this point, you're always like, wait, they still, oh, awesome, publisher's still in business, sign me yeah, up. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think that's the one that isn't in previews, I don't know, previews is such a mess nowadays, I don't mean, that catalog is just, it, does, it doesn't shrink in size, but. Man, they're contorting in all these different ways that you don't even know what's happening from one month to the next. You got to get those uh, shot glasses and towels and all the other stuff that I always well, think I, of when I think of previews. Still yeah, the there's previews. always the, the multi-page, like, uh, one, uh, one Piece area and then the other anime section for all the other popular, like, the I guess there would be a Demon Slayer... One and then uh, maybe there's a BL page and uh, you know it's not like the, any of the web places or services are any better organized in if you really want to kind of peruse your options for like magazines and books about comics and stuff like that as well as your publisher of preferred choice each month going into the preview so if you're gonna have to go from front to back to try to look at everything, um, I'd rather go look at it in print front page to back page than have a site where I got to make sure I clicked on every tab and looked at every page inside every tab. That that kills me even more. Oh, you don't know the secret? No. I find it way easier to just go to a lunar distribu- distribution, right? Not distributor, distribution. Okay. All right. And they have um, like a small indie book there. Yeah. It doesn't have every publisher, but like the bigger ones, like Source Point or whatever. And then uh, there's like your DC catalog, your Marvel catalog. They have several catalogs there. So rather than like looking at that tiny image, like I find the indie catalogs particularly good because sometimes they'll have like extra preview pages that aren't actually in the previews catalog too. So I've been going there as a supplemental thing because i'm like oh yeah this is a little easier a little more fun to look at online than yeah the previews thing is insane with with the drop down menu and like that that's tedious yeah i still go prints because then i can just if i if i got to look at as long as i'm looking at every page i'm gonna see it all right so it doesn't matter how it's organized eventually i don't want to miss like vanguard's latest wally wood book or something you know what i mean it's just the the image section it's 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 not ideal. It's not yeah, well, ideal. they're yeah, they're not in the front anymore, right? Aren't yeah, they? Yeah, 
I mean, that's instead just of booms, like booms, given like a front billing now. It's like what? Yeah, it's almost like you you open up previews and it's like, hey, Xenoscope is around, guys, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. Hmm. We're already to Z. Oh, hey, I just yeah, yeah, kind of weird decision there. <laughs> Did I open okay. up the wrong side? Did I go from the back? All right, I derailed you though, Kevin. I'm sorry. There are a lot of publishers um, still yeah. here. I mean, I've got a Sumerian book, a distillery book, like a vault. Like there are. I demand your distillery book. Um, okay. I got Somna because I like Tula Lote. Interesting, interesting. I was wondering if that was the one. Yeah, well, it's the only one I saw. I mean, maybe there were more. I will say they're oversized, no ads, and I like Tula Lote. I don't know. Like $9.00. Like, that's what I could pay to get a Marvel comic book. <laughs> $9? Did they go up in price? This one is $8.99 US. I got Cover B, the Tula Lote. I mean, I like Becky Cloonan, but Tula Lote was the poll for me. Yeah. No, I've got to say, for other books that are $9, these are the nicest looking $9 books you'll find. No, they. it does look... Yeah, I mean, there's no filler all killer but i don't i'm getting it as like a art book i mean look you know they and they they switch off kind of so yeah. it's nice if you like the art of either of them you'll get both i guess if you don't like one of them you'll be pretty bummed out and be like i paid how much for what how many pages did each one do <laughs> a breakdown and all that uh but I, for me I, I hope you would know that beforehand but yeah like why would I? I'm like, not gonna know it till I buy it. How am I gonna know what who did what? You're not what am I a look. wizard? I just can look at a comic and scan inside without buying. I can't. What do you want me to grub my filthy hands all over the book in the store and bend it back and ruin that copy for the next v, next purchaser? You you saw the names on it. You weren't surprised that Becky Cloonan was inside. No, but like I for not. I've seen other publishers at magazine size. It'll be like 32 pages. This is like 48 pages. Well, I didn't count the pages, but it does feel thick. <laughs> well, I don't put page numbers on. And I like, I actually like both. I mean, I like Becky Cloonan's art, so it's not a knock on it or nothing. I'll be honest, the story didn't really move. I mean, some of these things I just buy because I like how they look. Same. That's the same thing with the Sumerian book. I got it because of Vanessa Del Rey. So a lot of times I'll buy these if I see a creator I like on it and I'm not necessarily bothered by, Oh, is this a comic? I Like I would have not bought either of these. I don't think, but for the names on the cover. So they've been putting I'm, out a lot of work this year. I'm like the, maybe a bad person to just take that in mind. When I say something like I was going to get it cause I like both those artists. So does that mean obviously I feel like Tula Lote and Becky Cloonan were up to their usual high standards, and same with Vanessa Del Rey, so I like those books. Would I necessarily recommend them? If you like those artists, I would, but neither one of them did much for me, as in like, oh my god, this is the story I've been waiting for type of thing. It's more like, oh, I like watching those people draw stories, uh, sign me up type of thing, if that makes sense, that distinction. Uh, considering I just did that Oni Press book where I'm like, I don't think the story is, is the primary driving factor there. 
So that's, but I like, I don't know. I feel also, I feel like I don't see a ton of either Vanessa Del Rey or Tula Lote. I mean, I'm sure they put out a ton of work. I just, no. as you guys know, I only see what I see. And so when I see them on a book, I'm like, sold. <laughs> I mean, basic no, because... instinct. It's like from the movie or I don't know if there was a book <laughs> before it or whatever. I don't. But I'm like, Vanessa Del Rey, I haven't seen her name on a book in forever. Sold. I don't care what... It could be the Teletubbies book. I don't care. So you didn't hear Barnstormers? I do. That name sounds familiar, but was that... Which one? Who was that? Was that uh, Del Rey or Tulalote? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, they have two books in one year? I'm like, that's unheard of. Like, that's... that's like, that's a lot of work from... From what I've seen, like, yeah, because she had three th- three double sized issues and then have that come out in the same year. To me, that's a lot of work. From I think I first saw her on wasn't an Aspen book. It's like a post apocalyptic thing with some female protagonist. See, that's the thing. I don't even remember a lot of the detail, but it was just a great looking book with the the lead character. So yeah, and Vanessa Del Rey. What I like is. When she did that boom book, they did the oversized kind of artist edition version, so you could really see her artwork up up in the you know the blown up size. So yeah, good time if you like those artists. But I don't know if I'm gonna. I mean, conceptually, you'd think I'd be okay with a nine dollar comic book because you're getting more out of it, but it does feel like it's a lot. I don't know. I'll probably buy it. Who who are we kidding? If I see it in the store, I'm going to buy it. I'm a, a fool. And my money is soon parted. If, if it was like uh, maybe $7.89, then you would buy it because you'd be like, oh, there's a, that's a weird price point. I'm all over that. Yeah. So weren't you buying something that was like, what was it, Opus? Oh it was $6.66? Yeah. <laughs> I bought some goofy kind. That's what I mean. I mean, when I'm first, I'm like, oh, would I? And then I'm like, uh Dummy, you buy all kinds of garbage. Of course you're going to buy it if you see it again. The question is, you know, is my store going to rack it? Is it going to come out in time? Am I going to notice it? Is it going to sell? You know, all those factors that are out of my control. All right, now, Kevin, you get to go. You want me to go? Yeah, it's your turn. So so do you want an image comics book? No, 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 I'll leave that for you. Or should we talk about that? Should we talk about the Image Comics book? Let's do it. Or, or should I say the Skybound Comics group? Yeah, we all read it, so let's, let's bring go. it on home. Yo-ho, G.I. Joe, number 301. Woo! Hotly into, I think it's been close to a year since 300 came out, so perfect for an right? Image book, right? <laughs> oh, zing! Well, that's the first issue. Welcome Look to Image. <laughs> Sliding in. The fact that there was a huge delay between issues. This one looked like it took a year to make, Oh, my though. God. It looked really good. Larry Hama, Chris Mooneyham, Francesco Sagala. I got both covers, by the way. Wow. Also, are there only you. two covers? Are there on? Is this a Dynamite book? Are there 4,000 covers I need to run down? I think there's 20. 20? 10? There's more than two covers. Though. Oh, I got two covers. I'm pretty sure there's more than two covers. I got the regular, the regular and the black and white. How about that? I didn't get the weird exclusive one. Oh yeah, there might be that too. You never, never thought about that. Yeah, but this is some of the 
or maybe the nicest G.I. Joe artwork I've ever seen in a in one of their books. Whoa. Shed a tear for Sal Buscema. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Herb Trimpey. Herb Trimpey, Sal. Um, uh, oh, uh, Vosberg worked on G.I. Joe. How dare you? And I'm not saying they're bad. That wasn't what I said. <laughs> but this is some nice G.I. Joe artwork. So had you read G.I. Joe prior to this, Kevin? Uh, I read some scattered issues of G.I. Joe. Now, you know, the funny thing is, I had forgot that I had um, most of this issue reprinted in uh, an IDW treasury-sized uh, collection that had a J. Scott Campbell cover on it. Nice. Oh, no, I'm talking about 301, Kevin. Did you read 301, or you're just... Talking... Oh, 301? Yeah. I read it pretty fast. Once I found out we weren't uh, weren't recording... Um, <laughs> I was just like I'm, it was just sitting there and I'm like I gotta get through this yeah because other people were also thought there was quite a buzz I saw on this. well what I want to know Joe. is how did you did you like get it or do you feel it's just a mishmash of you like who are all these fuckers and I don't get it well like I feel like I come from the era too of of you can just jump in like even though like like they'll say, oh, you can start at volume one, or or you can start at, I don't know, whatever, whatever the uh, rebooted numbering is with the legacy numbering, and you know it's a it's a new thing. I mean, it could have been more helpful, but like you could have thrown some captions in there and and stuff like that. But I mean, they started doing like a recap at the beginning, and you just jump sure. in, and you're like, oh, GA Joe's on a mission, and you just you just follow the action. You, it's a good story. Okay, because I, cause I felt they didn't do a good job about explaining revenge at all, and I'm like... That's... Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, some, there, there's obviously stuff in there, like, you're missing, but I always go, but the thing, it's like, even if you're jumping in, like, is there enough in there where you're, like, intrigued and you, you, you enjoyed yourself? And I'm like, yeah, I think there is. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not completely new to G.I. Joe. Like, I know who some of the characters are and everything, and I read some of those wacky uh i don't know if you'd call them off model what was you know when gi when idw was going really out there with their transformers versus gi joe or the tfa <laughs> stuff hey the tom like, that one stuff. was pretty wacky <laughs> that was so, fun, I, mean, I, I come into this i'm fine i'm like okay. it's good yeah i just didn't because like i said the revanche is out of nowhere and not really yeah. explained and that was created in the IDW run, so, you know, not a lot of people know. So I thought it was, and they're a kind of a bigger player. They're not featured here. Also, you know, they, spoiler, they kill a character that no one's going to be that sentimental about, but I figured you were probably <laughs> like, I don't even know who this fucker is. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, they killed someone off. I'm like, I'm like, uh, a snake guys? No. Nope. Uh, he was. He was one of the snake guys. That's the other <laughs> thing. They've had Duke? a few. Nope. Since uh, since you started, they've had a few snake eyes, and then they brought the original one back. Like, I love the G.I. Joe weird, like, science fiction meets military, so yeah. sometimes it's very serious, like a guy dies, and, they, and then other times it's just goofy shit, like they turn them into, like, cannibalistic zombies in the end. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was kind of... Oh, the other thing is, like, that Dr. Mindbender, he's like, 
I'm number two on G.I. Joe. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened. G.I. <laughs> Joe. On Cobra? Okay, good. So you weren't like, uh, this is a fucking train wreck of a story. I don't know what's going no. on or nothing. No, no, it's good. It has some tension. Like, it, like this could have been the beginning of the thing, but from what I understand, like, this is a continuation of the, the story from 300. Yeah. Now, Steve, you hadn't, you had read G.I. Joe, but you probably haven't read it in... That's just it, right? Like, the, the G.I. Joe I played with as a kid was the big one with the beard that came off if you put him in the bathtub, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I was around for a couple of years. The, the first maybe maybe almost two years of the uh, three and three-quarter inch figures and, and the comic and stuff. So I read probably the first two dozen uh, Marvel issues. And so I'm familiar with the... The, the basics, the underlying, the uh, the founding members, if you will. But the Serpentor and all that stuff all was after my time, although I'm certainly familiar with them from not being too far around the block, uh, you know, away from being around the block uh, uh, over these decades since. So I really appreciated the one, two page uh, catch up that they did at the beginning that kind of let you know what Joe is, who the different bad guys are that are in play, and kind of what their status is, where they came from, what their connections are, and then go ahead with the story featuring these characters, which is good. They didn't spend a lot of time together at the headquarters having coffee before the, um, <laughs> you know, the warning bell went off, and then they all had to assemble and go off so that they could show how they leave the headquarters and all that sort of business. So that's all fun. I, I thought it was a good ride, and while the I found the Mooneyham art pretty derivative of the Kubert style, it's been long enough now that that's that's fun, right? I yeah, mean, uh, if I'm, in, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying Robert De La Torre doing uh, John Buscema riff on Conan. Um, why not? It's even his signature looks like Joe Kubert. So, uh, that but that's that's fun. Like people have said, no Joe book has looked like this before. So, go for it. Wild Bill reminds me of Dum Dum Dugan. Yeah, Francesco Sagala's colors. I thought I thought the recaps were really striking. Like, sometimes that stuff is just straight-up info dump, and they do do that, but because they have such striking, dramatic poses, it really makes it feel less like a slog. And I really thought it was a fun... The They alternate between, like, extreme close-up and then establish... Like, all the... The storytelling is all, like... Wide in, wide in, wide in. Well, it's hard because the, ve- the, the vehicles are one of the characters in, in G.I. Joe, yeah. though, right? So you have to pull back. But I think that also helped lead to the, give a sense of tension to it all. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I really appreciated. And I also liked at the back, you guys probably didn't bother reading it, but his um, Mooneyam and Hamma give a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I really liked yeah. it. I want more people to realize that you don't have to be fans of this shit to work on it. Like, you just have to yeah, be good true. at your job. Yeah. And I really liked it. He's like, yeah, well, I wasn't a fan of this stuff growing up. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, you do a good job. I don't give him. I'd rather have that than some fake, like, oh, I love that. It's my favorite thing. And then the next project, this is my favorite, you know, like, be honest about it. If you're a good artist, you'll look to the storytelling. And who knows, maybe you'll actually find things that other artists didn't or what, you know, that elements to favor that 
someone who was more familiar with the property wouldn't. So and and really... granted, it, oh God, sorry to interrupt, but it's not his fault that he's not a fan of it. It's when he was born too, right? Like that, that wasn't the time that it was at its peak marketing and interest and stuff. If he was our age, uh, well, all right, my age, um, <laughs> and and was like, I don't like it, that would be, you know, and now I'm drawing it. I think that would be different because it was like a choice when it was totally marketed to us and even more to you, Andrew, who's uh, just a touch younger, you got the benefit of, of you know, I, I saw that first mini series of the cartoon, but then once it became, I think it became an ongoing cartoon. Yeah. Like I, that was all after yeah. my time. So you got the benefit of, of more of that stuff. So if you had lived through that stuff and, and had thumbed your nose at it and now we're like, Oh yeah, but I'm drawing it. I might look at it different, but you know, if it was because you were a baby at the time, yeah, that's that's cool. You're 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 finding it now, just like he said. I'm I'm becoming a fan now. Yeah. As long as you're good at your job, that's more important to me than service to the fandom and being. Yeah, like, well, oh, there's this also is my that. favorite thing, and like, no, I want you to be good at the the thing they hired you to do. That's all I care about. Heck, for all I care, you can hate. I mean, it's what. Uh, Busem has talked about he wasn't a big superhero guy like sometimes right you know it, it didn't stop him from making some great superhero comics so. yeah he was really good at it yeah i don't have any i don't know i feel like today's world there's a lot of heat on in fact he makes some kind of comment about please don't you know come after me or whatever and i'm like <laughs> people are so weird about that They're like yeah, look at the work like that doesn't care but yeah, it was pretty exciting. It, it feels it is a change from, and also like the paper, like everything is. If you had three hundred in your hands and then you went to this, it is a shit. But the story, you know, it's a it's a picks up right where it left off and everything. So there's no continuity that way. But in the packaging and everything, there's a big feel. So I'm excited, and I'm got the Transformers. They already threw a possible link to a GI Joe in issue two. Plus uh, Void Prime, and they'll have two G.I. Joe side stories coming out. I don't know if they're going to do extra Transformer books, though. Uh... Which is weird, because traditionally Transformers have been, has been a much more popular property. I mean, look at all the movies and everything. Well, maybe uh, they're, they're, they're building that up to some... Like, once what they get over to the, the crossing over and all that stuff, maybe they'll... They like break out all the Transformers one shots and everything. Yeah, I don't. I, I just. I mean, I'm not a Transformers guy. I was just buying it because they're tying it all in, and I like Daniel Warren Johnson. I think I. I think other people like him more than me, but I do like his. Yeah. Artwork. I always feel like I like it, but then I hear these kind of gushing reviews, and I'm always like, Oh, oh yeah. I guess I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like every time I go to a Spider-Man movie, everyone loves the Spider-Man movies more than I do, which is weird. But yeah, they also had the the G.I. Joe, a real American hero, or the Skybound comics group edition. Yeah, this story's been re... But I like that Hama did a little George Lucas and was like, you know what, Jim Shooter overrode me. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, what's that? that was a story. So that was fun. Well, the other fun bit of trivia that Joe fans know, but you guys may not, when they have the panel insert of all the Joes, you notice his hand is covering one that's called Shooter. 
which obviously originally <laughs> was a gym shooter, but later on they invented a character shooter and a whole backstory <laughs> and all this stuff. So it's been a fun, like it's fun. You take something like that and then someone, you know, I call it Jeff Johns, but I know other people call it Roy Thomasing it where you take some old thing and blow it into a 97 issue run or whatever. But so why would it be a, be a Jeff John? I feel like he really grabbed a lot of small nuggets and really made not just meals, but like ate out on them. You know, like the Blackest so, Night thing was a very small reference, and he stretched that into, like, multiple titles for years, and, you, you know, you really grab some little thing between the panels or reference, and then just go hog wild on it. So, the, like, that that that's bigger in your mind than, like, any Marvel creator of that era? Like, like, yeah. say, like, like if someone's going to bend to something, you're thinking of something else. Yes, I think of something else. And I also feel like partly it was the time, but when Roy Thomas did that kind of continuity patching, they didn't let you have like 12 issues to cover one stuff. You know what I mean? It was a different time where we didn't, the publishing wasn't going to be like, oh yeah, do 47 miniseries on it. Type of thing. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, so he would do that, but it would be for, you know, oh, we're stitching together a couple of stories over a two or three parter maybe would be the most. So but everything like... must connect. Like, I, I just find it funny with the create with with the different creators. Like, like sometimes, like you say, oh, they're doing this, and then like you can take it on, on like a wrong way, <laughs> or like a good way. Well, and I don't have a <laughs> a what my issue isn't the connection always. A lot of times it's just I feel when they really stretch it out. When they bend us a Johns to use a full terminology, you know, they, this thing that would be fine if they just made a little moment of it, but then really blow it out. And you're like, man, it feels like, and other media do that too. Like movies now do these prequels where they just, every piece of information you have, they have to regurgitate into the story so that it's a, you're right up on it, you know. And How it's about just your 10 hour uh, TV series? That was supposed to be a movie. It depends on what they're doing. Do they feel the need to put every piece of lore into it, or they have a story they want to tell? And they're not hamstrung into force to put all those pieces in, like some kind of jigsaw or Django, where we need all these bits in the thing. Like, just tell your story. And if it's fun, we'll all be into it. And if it doesn't work for me, hopefully it works for someone else. Yeah, I always find it weird when they can't figure out that you can just add another story but maybe they don't have another story so they're like how can i stretch this out some more well, i, I figure it's not act stupid and then we can add on another two episodes yeah. and i'm like please no or maybe they just are afraid to tell it like we need to keep the things people know or and hey look it sells look i'm right now holding on to a dumb doctor doom marvel legend that's a reboot of the stupid mattel <laughs> Doctor Doom Secret Wars. I have both of them in my hand, by the way. <laughs> like, a totally unnecessary toy, and I have both of them. So, you know, hey, sometimes people buy that. Sometimes dumb people like me buy that stuff. Sometimes they cost $90. Yeah. My toys are expensive. Oh, there are some good <laughs> toy sales out there, people. 
I know we're not a toy thing, but we're not. If you are interested, I see that I feel like Super Seven is blowing out a lot of stock. They're blowing out some of their GI Joe, some of their Turtles stuff. Um, I can't really speak to the Turtles lines. I feel their regular retail price is too high, but these sales, I've been getting stuff like 60% off, 50% off, like real. At that point, I feel it's a competitive price point. And I don't collect the turtle stuff, but people say good things about their turtle line. I don't know. Kevin, you have, or Steve, you have any of the modern turtle stuff or just old toys? Oh, the turtles were after my time. Um, I, I never got into the turtles. I couldn't tell you. There, there's so many turtles lines. I don't even know which one the Super Seven is because they have like, it's just ridiculous amount of same things that are coming out at the same time. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm the guy that can't tell Marvel from DC. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm it's like, which one is which? Same. They all these companies now. Um, <laughs> Super Seven, Hasbro, which owns it, Jada, they all make GI Joe stuff, and you're like. Wait, this is actually owned by Hasbro, and they still license it to other toy. Like that's the crazy. Like it's their own property, and they're licensing it to other toy companies. Yeah, I don't. The toy business seems crazy, and I'm really trying to not buy too much crap. But it's hard. Much like comics, although comics take up less room, so I feel less bad when I buy a bunch of random comics. And you can get rid of the comics. Can I? Easily. I thought you'd get rid of them easily. Uh, I have given lots to the library, and sometimes my comic shop guy will take a short box and give me like $20 credit or something. There we go. And I'm like, sold! But <laughs> <laughs> right. the comics came back. Yeah, Every exactly. Every next day, yes, the comics came back. Sometimes I joke with them. I'm like, you know, I'm just renting these things for a few for, you know, two years or three years till I trade them back in. But I don't want to abuse it too much because I know that inventory is not easy to move. I mean, he's no Kevin. That one of the shows. But anyways, I was we're just about to say, unless you're Kevin, yeah, oh we're, brother, uh, we're waffling a little. Yeah, bit. that's it's strange. It's just it's strange. All right. I have it in my will if I ever die, fly Kevin in from Canada and have him sell all my comics. <laughs> That'd be, that would be a pretty interesting con. He would know what to do. <laughs> I, would, I would break out the clipboard. I'm like, okay, first thing. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, that's, a, that's a show. We're going to wrap it here. Yay! We've reached the time. But thanks for joining me, everybody. Kevin, you doing catchphrases? It's been so long, I've legitimately forgotten. Uh, noise out. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a uh, happy holidays and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. And later. 2024. Let's have a party oven. Let's have a big bash oven. Let's celebrate now.
Albany. 300 cheers for Albany.